Life is complicated. There is the law and there is reality. Welcome to Law and Reality, sponsored by Thav Gross. Now, here's your host, Ken Gross. Welcome to this segment of Law and Reality. Today's topic is the anatomy of a lawsuit when you're the one who's being sued. Jenny Wingle. Hi, Ken. Good to be here today. Brian Small. Good morning. I got a question, though, Ken. The anatomy of a lawsuit. It I could mean, be I, evening, Brian. It could be, yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're talking about the anatomy of a lawsuit? Don't, don't you study anatomy in medical school or well, anatomy Science? is as in breaking it down into subparts. That's uh-huh. what you do. That's what the that's a, the study of the body, human body. I, d- I just didn't want anybody that's out there thinking that law is like like studying for a medical school exam. It's harder. <laughs> that I don't know. Okay, <laughs> Brian, <laughs> you and your daughter can have that argument. <laughs> it's clear. It's clearly different. Here, here's the situation. You're behind on bills credit cards, medical bills, and you get sued. Or you have a dispute with someone over a business or a personal matter, and they elect to sue you. But you're being sued. You're being served with process, and it's a court proceeding, and you need to know what is this about, how does it work. That's what we're going to talk about. Well, isn't the easiest thing is just just don't let them serve you, right? So then, then, then they well, can't. Typically it can't I hear, well, typically, well, I was served, but you know, I, I didn't open it, I didn't read it. It's been a few months. What now? <laughs> You're jumping a little bit ahead, but that people do think if I don't take the papers, I'm not served. But what happens is the process. Let, let me begin with the process a little bit. Yeah. When someone wants to sue you, the first step is they have to decide where to sue you. Okay. And in Michigan, we have three options when it comes to suing someone we have circuit court which is the uh, oakland circuit macomb circuit washington circuit those courts are for for proceedings where the amount being sued for is greater than twenty five thousand dollars under twenty five thousand you're typically sued in district court which is your local city court and it has a district court judge those are claims under $25,000. And you also have small claims court, which is for claims $6,000 or less. And in small claims, there can be no lawyers. And it's a more informal process in small claims. Small but, claims court is, is, is only for monetary relief, too. You can only get a money judgment. You can only get money in small claims. If you were trying to keep your neighbor from parking on your grass, to be circuit you court. have to go to circuit court or district court. Circuit, circuit, court. circuit court for, for that. It's called court. equitable relief. Money relief is money damages. All right, so small claims, the other thing to know about small claims is even if you sue someone in small claims, they can then remove the case to district court if they choose to. So small claims is a forum for resolving debts. It's it's more informal and it's easier. But if either party wants to move into district court, they have the right to I do so. I have to so. say, I've seen this a few times as the party be being sued. The defendant decides that they're angry and they don't care. They want to pay an attorney. And then all of a sudden, what you thought was going to be resolved in, in small claims court, all of a sudden Is gets moved district to district court. court. Um, and so it's something that you have to think about when you are deciding that you want to sue someone. Yeah, as, as a business lawyer, when my client, if, 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 a, if a business client of mine gets sued in small claims court and he calls me or she calls me, I say to him, 
well, if you want me to handle it and represent you, I have to remove it to district court anyway because I'm not allowed to act on your behalf in small claims court. So then strategically, we will also, just like you're saying, Jenny, we'll remove it to district court. There, there's more procedures and steps to be taken. The person who's unfamiliar with it is in uncharted waters. And that's, you know, that's my home court. Sometimes that's where it makes I'm them familiar. more likely to, to, to settle, settle then. Yeah, yes. it creates leverage. Well, who, who gets to, who has to have a lawyer in, in, in a court situation? A corporation must be represented by counsel. Right. A, so, a limited so, liability company must be represented by counsel. You can represent yourself. It's called in pro per if you're representing your individual person. So it's if you never, are suing Bob Smith, Bob Smith can represent himself and you can represent yourself. But if you're suing Bob Smith Corporation. Inc. Bob Smith Inc. needs to hire an attorney. But a side note on that. If you ever need heart surgery i suppose you could do that yourself as well <laughs> but if you need heart surgery you're going to go to a surgeon if you're in a lawsuit you need a lawyer to represent you if if you have no concept of what you're doing to think that you're going to do an adequate job of representing yourself is is, is foolish it's not going to work for you you need to recognize that Judges don't particularly like when people represent themselves. Some of them are helpful. Some of them are not helpful. Uh, the other attorney always takes advantage of the circumstance because his job is to represent his client, not to help you out. You need to have representation. You know, and I, I, I see a lot of people trying to file bankruptcies. Now, this is not a lawsuit without uh, having representation. And I'll tell you something. I fix a lot of them because yeah, that can they, be a big they get critical really mistake. ugly. Yeah, and if you do the bankruptcy wrong, you, you 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 can really screw yourself. You can be you can be locked out of discharging your debts. You can be thrown out of court, and you can have your situation be absolutely devastating to you just because you were trying to save a couple of bucks. Yeah, you know, it, it's a side note, but what you have to realize if you're filing bankruptcy the right way, you're doing it in a smart fashion to preserve future income for you and your family, and to put your your finances on the right track. It's not something to do in a knee-jerk manner and to try and do it yourself. You're dealing with your financial future. You want to make sure that you do it the right way. But without, back to the lawsuit. Okay. So the first critical stage is the plaintiff has, the person who starts the lawsuit is the plaintiff. The person who is being sued is the defendant. The plaintiff has to file a complaint and get a summons issued by the court. The summons is what you serve on the defendant that brings them into the proceeding. How, do you, how does that happen? They get served. I mean, is it done well, by... This is right where, where we started off on the show. We said, can I avoid being served? A process server typically comes, knocks on your door, says, are you Brian Small? And yes. you say yes. And then he hands you the paper and says you're served. And at that point, you've been served. Now, people say, well, if I don't get served, does the lawsuit not happen? Well, there's procedures. There's called substituted service. If you try and serve someone for a couple of times and you can then go to court saying they're avoiding service by refusing to answer the door, pretending that they're not the person that they're supposed to be, the court will enter an order for substituted service that allows the plaintiff to just post it on the door and then send it by certified mail. In that circumstance, once that happens, if you then don't defend the case, a judgment can get entered against you. Here's the process. Once you're served, you have 21 days to file an answer. 
an answer is a pleading you file with the court that admits and denies the allegations that are being asserted against you, gives you a chance to file a counterclaim if you have any claims against the person who's suing you, and postures and sets up your defense. Failing to answer results in the plaintiff applying to the court for a, a default judgment being entered against you. Once the default judgment's entered against you, 21 days after that, they can start the collection process. Collection process can be nasty, too. I mean, it starts, it's the simplest thing they can do is send out wage garnishments and bank account garnishments where they, because you've gotten a money judgment against you, so now they're trying to collect the money so that you owe them. So how much can they take from your wages versus from your bank account? So they're, 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 the technical name for that is there's a periodic and a non-periodic bank account. Garnishment. I mean, garnishment. For a non-periodic bank account garnishment, all right, so that's the one that goes towards the, the you're going to hit on the bank account. If you owe them $5,000. And there's $5,000 in the account. $5,001 in the account, they're leaving a dollar in the account. They, there's no limit on what they can take up to the amount of the judgment. Correct. Now, for a, for a periodic garnishment, garnishment, that's a wage garnishment. That happens every single time you get paid. The periodic portion is if you get paid weekly, you're going to get garnished weekly for a 90-day period of time until the garnishment runs out, and then they can reissue a new one. And how much is that? 25% of your net pay. Of your net take-home pay. So simple math. $1,000 a month take-home pay, they're taking $250 every time you get paid. Now, I have another question uh, on that uh, non-periodic bank account levy. What if the funds in the bank account were just your Social Security? Ah, so Social Security is not garnishable, okay? It, it cannot be garnished. Except for the IRS. Except for the IRS, but that's, that's, that's a, it's more of a levy than a garnishment. Correct. But it's not dissimilar. If, they, if you get a, way, a levy... Uh, excuse me, if you get a non-periodic garnishment on your bank account that has Social Security money, and the only money in there is Social Security money, and the only money traceable to going in there is Social Security. So if you deposit your pension in one bank account and your Social Security in another, they can't tag and garnish your Social Security money, but they can tag and garnish your pension account. And if you have a savings account, they can take that. <coughs> they can take any money that you have in a bank and garnish it as long as it's not your Social Security money. Now, right. can they garnish your Social Security directly or your pension directly? They cannot garnish at the source. They can't garnish the, gar the, the United States government for Social Security, and they can't garnish the provider of your pension as long as it's an ERISA-qualified pension but what's at the, the source. But in the account, then they can get it. And if you commingle your Social Security money with $100 or something else, they can take the money out of your bank account. Okay, all right, so, so we've got garnishments going on. Also, if you have a car and there's no lien on the car, they can just come and the bailiff can come and hoist it up on a, on a tow truck and take it away. it away. Right yeah. out of your driveway? Right out, out of your driveway. Right out of your what driveway. about in my garage? Is, is your garage locked or unlocked? If the garage is The garage closed, door is down. So they can't, if they can open it, if it's they can not peacefully locked. repossess it, <clears throat> right. then. That it's wouldn't okay. be trespassing on my property. To I don't know. You got an argument, but you may have a trespass claim. But if it, if it's peaceful, if it doesn't disturb the peace, they're basically allowed to do it. 
Here's the here's the example. What about taking out the possessions uh, inside your house? Do not ever let them in. If you open the door if and it, let them in, the bailiff the bailiff comes pursuant to a judgment, and he's coming to levy on your property. If you open the door and let him in, he can then tag all of your possessions, and then at that point you can be forced to give them up. If he knocks on the door and you refuse to answer and refuse to let him in, he cannot forcibly breach the peace and enter your home. So if you have a judgment, number one is you never let anyone in the house. Number two, if you have a car with no lien, you never leave it sitting on the driveway because it can be taken away. But there's other steps to take. And now, now let's get to the big question because we, we've gone through the lawsuits filed and we assumed you didn't defend it and they got a judgment against you. Now I want to step back and say, well, what about defending the lawsuit or stopping the creditor from getting your assets? There's many different ways to do that. First thing is there's sometimes a defense to the claim. Yeah. You don't owe it. It's not you. It's an honest to, uh, you're being sued and you really didn't incur the debt or you really aren't wrong in what they're in, in, or, or liable. Or, or, or for instance, suppose they're suing on a claim too late. There's a thing called the statute of limitations where we, we hear about it all the time in the crazy world that we live in with 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 uh, molestation cases and assault cases and so forth, where they're talking about, is it too late to sue? Well, on a money claim, your basic contract claim is six years from the last date of payment. So if you stopped paying a credit card seven years ago and they're now suing you, you have a complete statute of limitations defense if you assert it. Now, if you're being sued on a deficiency on a mortgage in Michigan, that statute, it's actually not a statute. There's case law that says you have up to 10 years to sue if in the mortgage document it recited the obligation to pay. And if you go back and take a look at your standard form mortgage or your equity line, you'll always see in the mortgage document it recites the obligation to pay. So that means basically in Michigan we can they can... They can wait 10 years. They can sue you up to 10 years from your last date of payment. But suppose you don't owe the money. Suppose it wasn't you, like Brian said. Those well, no, I'll give you a great example with regard to those mortgages. I've seen a lot where lawsuits come up from second mortgage companies. Remember when we had the rash of foreclosures in 2008, 9, and 10? Well, they're suing on those foreclosures on that second mortgage. But turned out that there was a 1099C issued in 2011 for giving the debt. So there's no legal responsibility to pay the debt. They got to defend it. That's and actually there's it's actually a complicated area in the law right now because there's some circuits that say even though the 1099C has been issued, it's not a defense. But it's certainly a defense to assert in that circumstance because you've already been charged with the income from the cancellation of the debt. Right, it's gone on your tax return for that year. Suppose they violated the Fair Debt Collections Practices Act in pursuing and threatening you before they filed the lawsuit. That can be a counterclaim that you could bring against them as a defense. Sometimes debt collectors or third-party debt purchasers are suing you, and even though they've been assigned the debt, they don't have the documentation to support the fact that they're owed the money, and you can defend the case that way. 
But here's the big problem. This is the classic problem. You can't go in there without an attorney because you're not equipped to do it. And how many times, this is what everybody says. If I could afford the cost of an attorney to pay him, I wouldn't have failed to pay the debt. The reason why I'm being sued is because I don't have enough money. And if I don't have enough money, how am I going to pay a lawyer? That's the problem everybody in that situation finds themselves in. And it's a difficult situation. So what are the solutions? How do we work around that? You hide your head in the sand and move to a different country. Isn't that, isn't that the solution? You're probably going to say Guam because that's your favorite country to I was, move to. I was, but I was going to change it to, to something else just for you today. But we'll, we'll just go with, yeah, or move to Guam. The, it's My one solution, but Guam. They really liked it. It's not the most practical. It's warm. I had some friends that would move to Belize. I, you know, they what? love the weather, but it got a little boring after five, six years when they came back. Okay. Okay. But let's assume you want to stay here. So we're going to take that off, uh, 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 off the range of options. All right. You need to explore your options. One thing is you have to assess your options. First of all, is a chapter is bankruptcy an option? Chapter seven, chapter thirteen. Do you have other debts so that debt resolution would be a viable option? Can you get an attorney to represent you on this one particular case in a limited engagement where the fee is reduced? Can you make yourself uncollectible so that even if they get a judgment against you, they still can't collect the money? That's my one of my favorite things to do is is turn people into what do I call them superheroes because superheroes are bulletproof and making you uncollectible is like making you bulletproof. Right, it's easy for you to say that, but I, but if, if if you're listening, they're not gonna, people aren't going to have any idea what you're talking. Well, about. we utilize. <laughs> The, the different corporate... I become a cartoon character and I can't be collected from on a judgment? Is that what you're saying? Just you. And it has something to do with when you get your hair done. But other than that, um, what we do is we, we utilize the corporate At structure. At least I have hair. <laughs> yeah. For those people yeah, that are listening... I'm kind of wondering what's going on okay. here, Brian. <laughs> this is not the TV version of Law and Reality. <laughs> um, the corporate structures that are out there, LLCs, C-Corps, and S-Corps make... Uh, Build walls. They're, they're utilizing so those entities. Spe- yes, if you're self-employed, by creating corporate structures and management structures, what we do is is we keep the ball in the air and we keep it away from your creditors to the point where it's nearly impossible for them to get to your money while you're living, eating, sleeping, breathing, and happy. It takes work to do that, and the time that we do that is the circumstance where. For one reason or another, you have too many assets and a bankruptcy won't work or isn't a viable option. You don't have the cash flow or it doesn't make sense to do debt resolution, but we still have to keep you free from that creditor who's got the judgment against you. Another circumstance, and Jenny, you were kind of hinting at it earlier, is elderly couples that are or elderly people that are only on Social Security. It's their only income, and they have no other savings that can be attached. In that circumstance, we can fashion a plan that allows the creditor to take the judgment. We just have to make sure that the client is well-schooled and making sure that the money from Social Security is segregated in an account and it's not commingled with any other money and that they don't have any cars out there available that, that can be um, picked up and so forth to collect the judgment. But you got to be careful on that. If you own a house, they can file a judgment lien against the house. 
They can't force you to sell the house, but when you die, the judgment lien will attach. Or when you go to sell the property. Now, so those things take a lot of planning. But now, that if also it's jointly titled property, husband and wife, it's my understanding of Michigan is law. Who dies first? Let's suppose right. the judgment's against the husband, okay, and the they file a lien. Well, as long as if wife predeceases husband and husband now owns the house, the judgment lien attaches. If husband goes first. There goes the judgment. Wife owns house free and clear. But we don't know who's going to go first always. But in a bankruptcy situation, if that became the solution, I can actually get rid of a judgment lien that, that's been attached to the house regardless of when it attaches, as long as uh, it impairs the exemption or it uh, is is actually just a standard judgment lien, we can get we can knock it out. So, so There's here's, a statute on point. Absolutely. Here's my point. If you're being sued on financial obligations because you lack the money to pay them you need to adopt the strategy of how to deal with it this is the mistake you can't just let everyone take judgments against you and not do anything to protect yourself if you're earning wages they're going to garnish your wages if you if you if you're commingling your social security money with your other money they're going to go after that bank account you need to protect yourself Debt resolution is a solution that we t we've talked about where we don't file bankruptcy. We resolve the debt by settling it with the power of the minimum monthly payment if you have sufficient cash to do that. But in that circumstance, you could get sued, but we defend the case as part of debt resolution. The last thing in the world you should do is allow someone just to take a judgment against you without a plan of defense. And that we see all the time. People come in for, and what about your credit score? Well, if you, that's not even an issue for discussion in this particular episode, because if you're being sued, you're already behind on your payments and your credit score's already taken the hit. That's why in that circumstance, bankruptcy becomes an even easier option to get to, to take because you don't even have to deal with the, the the psychological issue of worrying about your credit score although we've tried to explain to you before it's not the it's not the factor that should be de determinative as to what your course of action should be the factor that's determinative is what's best for your future but in that circumstance if you're already in financial distress Chapter 7 bankruptcy is viable, right, Brian? It, it absolutely makes sense. You know, it, it, the, the key is is don't just sit there and let the world run you over. If you're in a situation where you're being sued, whether it's for economic loss or whether you're being sued for some other reason, doing nothing is the absolute worst mistake you can make. Defending it yourself is probably the second worst mistake you can make. But at the end of the day, you've got to do something and you've got to bring a lawyer in. And if, if it means filing a Chapter 7, explore your options. Explore your opportunities. Don't just sit there and go. Or a Chapter 13. Oh, like, depends. Yeah. You, have to, you have to analyze what your best option is. That's, that's the key. Yeah, absolutely. The ostrich position is not the right one. You don't want to bury your head in the sand and then wait. What I always say to clients that do that is if somebody is shooting at me, I want to know what direction the bullets are coming so I can get out of the way. If I don't know what's coming at me because I've buried the head in my sand, all of a sudden I walk out the door and I get hit by a bomb. That's not the way you want to handle it. All right, let's do announcements. I want to remind our listeners to watch the TV version of Law & Reality every Sunday, TV 20, 11 o'clock a.m. 
We've got seminars coming up. We've got a seminar coming up on November 7th, 6 to 7.30 p.m. I'd rather eat turkey than be a debt turkey. We're going to talk about all the solutions that we use. This is our Thanksgiving uh, celebration, Brian. We're going to, Jenny, we're going to do all the solutions we use to preserve future income for you and your family. You know, I just Bankruptcy. want to say, I, when, when you would do these announcements on, on for the television show, I want to see what a debt turkey looks like. Are you going to put up a picture of I a will, debt turkey? I will, yeah, I will have a big picture of a turkey with uh, dollar signs on it with X's across it. How's that? Okay, this is a challenge to you. Okay, I can I, I can do it with the magic of Photoshop. You can do anything these days. It's you, actually going to be a picture of if Brian. If you want right? to spend enough time. In the meantime, tell us what the seminar is about. All the systems we use to preserve future income for you and your family: bankruptcy solutions outside of bankruptcy. How to get to the three point retirement plan. Jenny's going to do a special segment on tax problems. Attendees get a free copy of my book, Dump Your Debt. Sign up at thavgross.com or wanreality.com. And then on Wednesday, wait, wait, December- can't they also call 888-235-4357? Yes. That's 888-235-HELP to sign up? Absolutely. Good point, Brian. Wednesday, December 12th is our next seminar, 6 to 7.30 p.m. Give a smart present to your family and a state plan. People think that it always has to be a, a gift of a, a, a toy train and things like that. An estate plan for the family oh, is just what I want for Christmas. A train? Uh, no, an, an estate, estate plan. plan. It's a good <laughs> thing for your family. You can have other gifts as well, but the 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 gift to the entire family should be an estate plan. I, I actually like the title of this. We're Give gonna, a smart present to your family and estate plan. This we're going to go through one. all the estate planning essentials, documents you need uh, while living, the durable power of attorney, the healthcare power of attorney, your will, your living will. Uh, your trust, your revocable uh, uh, powers of attorney, pa- power, powers of attorney everything, everything you need. Ken and I, Brian and I are going to talk about the basics of estate planning. Jeff Linden's going to join us and talk about probate problems and probate fights. Attendees get a $300 gold certificate off the cost of any estate plan. Also want to re- uh, sign up for that same thing, thavgross.com, wanreality.com, or call 888-235-HELP. One key thing about this estate planning stuff and the, the whole probate issue is, is that an estate plan is at least one-third the cost of having to probate an estate. If you do it right, you're going to save yourself a lot. Well, you'll save the estate a lot of money. You might not save yourself anything because you're dead. But you also save you save your family grief. Absolutely. Not, it's not common that we just expire because everything's going great and then pop one day, we have a heart attack and we're gone. Usually there's a decline. You need to have that durable power of attorney in place so your spouse or your children can take care of your financial affairs while you're in that declining stage. You need a patient advocate in place so when you're hospitalized and they have to make life and death decisions, that your personal, your, your, your patient advocate, which is typically your spouse or your child, can make those decisions for you. They're important things. Also, remind our listeners to enter our monthly contest, free $50 Visa gift card, Lawn Reality hat, copy of my book, Dump Your Debt. Every month we give one away. Just go to the website, lawnreality.com, on the homepage. You pop in your email address and you're entered into the contest. If you want to come in for a free consult, meet with Brian on debt issues or estate planning issues, Jenny with tax problems, me with business issues, Jeff Kirshner with disability or workers' comp issues, Pat Samasco with elder law issues, go to the website, request a free consult. We'll 
reach out to you and schedule it, or you can always call 888-235-HELP. Also, go to our websites. There's three, there's three great reports and a fourth one coming, how to save your home from foreclosure, uh, business formations, loans and grants in Michigan, Pat Samasco's Retiree's Guide from Social Security, and Jenny and I are just finishing up how to resolve tax problems. It's going to be a great report. Watch for that. You just pop in your name and the uh, report's downloaded immediately to you. Closing comments, Brian. Closing comments, if you get a lawsuit in the mail, you get a lawsuit handed to you, you've been served, that type of stuff, do not ignore it. Come see us. Come get the, the consult. Find out what your options and opportunities are. You may not be able to defend it, but we may help you get out from under the obligation. You may be able to defend it and win, but if you do nothing, you will lose. I've always believed that every problem has a solution. I have yet to have a client come into us that has a financial problem where we don't have a solution available for them that resolves the issue. Some solutions are simple. Some solutions are more complicated. But there's always a viable solution. Ignoring it is never the right thing. Have a great week. We'll be back next week with One Reality. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>